Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as is my curse by my good friends Richard Hello. and Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael like to debate and deliberate the Mount Rushmore of any given topic and this week's topic is the Mount Rushmore of sports movie cliches. But guess what? There is a new kid on the team, a hot shot, up and comer, straight up out of the the minor leagues, mm-hmm. and he's coming in, and we're all fighting for our spot. We're jockeying for position. That new kid is Paul Preston. How are you doing, Paul? Hello, gang. I am well. I'm glad to be back. Last time, of course, we talked about invisibility. Uh, I dig the the format. I'm ready to play again. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Jeff. Uh, I'm a shallow uh, husk of a man after having emceed. <laughs> A boxing match in which my opponent was killed by my hand, and oh. so uh, I'm just kind of living day to day, looking for redemption, looking for maybe a woman to help me put the pieces together. Uh, so uh, then we are going to let our guest start. If the visitors are up at bat, and Paul Preston, let us know what your first choice is. Okay. Well, I started looking at sports movies online. I went to Wikipedia that has a list of sports movies, and I started counting them. I got to about 206. And I realized that included documentaries, and that also was only football. So mm. there's a lot. So by now, pretty much all the cliches have been done. If you're making a sports movie now, you're just doing things that a movie has already done. If, can if I, you go beyond what a sports movie has already done, I'm going to be wildly impressed because it seems like everything's been done. Yeah, I think there are interesting things that happen just in movies and in storytelling. Like the other night, uh, Emily and I were watching the latest Harry Potter thing, the Fantastic Beasts. And And where to find them? No, Fantastic Beasts. Not even a colon. Just Fantastic Beasts, the crimes of Grindelwald. Oh, you got to say it the right way. The crimes of Grindelwald. (laughs) Yes. And although he doesn't speak in a um, uh, German accent, I still don't understand that. There's a lot of things I didn't understand by watching this movie, even though I've been hip deep in Harry Potter lore for forever. Yeah. But the point is about 12 minutes in, there was a big action sequence at the beginning. And then uh, the Newt Scamander character is called in front of like this board of wizard whoever's to be put on his assignment. And it just felt like watching uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was like Raiders had the big opening sequence. Then it was kind of brought down to the part where he's assigned his tasks to go off into the world to do whatever. And I just, I was made me think about this topic of like, how many times do you just watch a movie and they just follow the same, the same path or the same little things that come up? And with sports movies and the cliches in it, I'm sure we're going to get on a lot of things that you're going to be like, oh, I know about this in seven or eight movies. And you could, you just yeah. say this thing and like the world opens up and it's like, oh, that's been done, that's been done, that's been done. Yeah. And sadly, I think I can say I've just lived too long. Mm-hmm. I, you know, <laughs> we're, like there's a new Lion King out and uh, I told someone – that you're going to see it? And I said, I saw it in 94. And he said, that's a weak take. And I thought to myself, it's, from what I've been told, much of it is shot by shot the same. Right. It's just a newer level of animation that may or may not be as charming. So I'm in no hurry to go and see it. Mm. So that's the same thing with a lot of these sports cliches, you know, in a movie. It's like, I've seen this before. Now, how well are you going to do it? To, to people younger than me, brand new thing. I went to see Neighbors 2. Audience was laughing their ass off. <laughs> loved it. I'm sitting there going, I've seen all of these jokes for 20 years. But the person next to me is 20. So yeah. a whole new world for them. Yeah. And yeah, so that I, I agree with that take. All right. Absolutely. Paul, so with that, I don't, I don't bring anything off the beaten path. This is pretty much something you almost have to have for a sports movie. And that is The Underdog. There you go. Maybe not as much a cliche as a vital element to a yeah. sports movie. But uh, 
So much so that when Rocky won Best Picture, the story of an underdog boxer who goes on to get his title shot, John G. Avildsen, the director, went on a few movies later to make The Karate Kid because it just works so well, the underdog yeah. story. And that's pretty much uh, what he was good at the first time. Oh, let me do it again. And sure enough, another knock out of the park. So, mm-hmm. um, And, yeah, you've seen it in everything. Miracle, Rudy, A League of Their Own, Remember the Titans, The Mighty Ducks, Hoosiers, even Real Steel. Oh, yeah. Future <laughs> robot boxing. <laughs> That's yeah, a Jeff. favorite of Jeff Hopkins. <laughs> really? Oh, we went. Michael and I Jeff went and on I a went kind of a, a bro date to oh, Real Steel. Did no. you love it? The most amazing thing about the movie Real Steel <laughs> is that the uh, nine to eleven year old boy is wearing a perfectly tailored A-line <laughs> uh, undershirt, and that is just like I believed everything about the robots. I believed them fighting and that they could mimic the the motions of, uh, you know, Mr. Hugh Jackman, but the kid wearing the perfectly uh, cropped uh, yeah. A-line shirt was just like... That's a bridge too far for you. I, I didn't, that's where I checked out, and, um, yeah. Yeah, it's that, that movie, I watched, I said, well, this is entertaining enough. And then at the end, when I'm crying my ass out, I went, I, I, how'd you do it? I don't, I don't even know the point where it worked. Yeah. He, maybe it's, he's looking at his dad, standing by the ring, <laughs> swinging in the air. And the robots, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, for some reason, <laughs> another underdog movie. All the hard you know, scrabble people come together to make it happen in that. You know, It's not even like the one person's mm-hmm. big chance. The trainer's down and out. The robot's down and out. The kid's down and out. Yeah. And they all come together. Seabiscuit's the same way. And nobody's good in that. The, the, the jockey's too small. The, the owner's got no shot. And the horses have banged Three up. Three legs, and, yeah. Yeah, and sure enough. You know. Yeah, it's hard to make an inspirational movie about the 1927 Yankees <laughs> just <laughs> right. stomping on people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a guy born into it all, and he has a, a life of privilege, and he never stops winning, the end. Yeah. I mean, the old show that he used to do, this, the guy, there was a guy, a co-host of mine named Bart, he, he wanted just winning. That's what, all he wanted in movies. Can mm. I just get winning? He loves Tom Cruise movies. Tom Cruise mm. just wins. That's all he does is win. <laughs> yeah. He had trouble with Edge of Tomorrow, where Tom Cruise is not winning Tom Cruise at the beginning, but eventually becomes winner Tom yeah. Cruise, and then he was happy. But uh, That's yeah, funny. The whole idea of winning the whole movie, I tried to tell him it doesn't work, but he just can't handle the, the down and out moments. That's so he funny. Too much drama That's too much him. drama. Yeah, huh. but for those who love the drama, I think up there on the uh, Mount Rushmore of sports movie cliches, you got to have the underdog. Right on. Okay, cool. Uh, coming out swinging in the first round, even though he's... Oh, man, I love I love that Jeff <laughs> is just mixing in. All He's just reaching, just just reaching for sports he, uh, he, euphemisms. He They're the, all the ones that Jeff knows, which he, is like five. Yeah, he just kicked a basket into the... Nailed it. Um, yep. Hockey zone? Done too much now. Okay. I've overstretched. All right. Richard. All right. So my fir- our first one is when the best player hasn't joined the team yet, but it, the team immediately turns good as soon as they join. Oh, okay. So some examples of this would be Jimmy Chitwood. Or Yoko in Hoosers, the Beatles. Or yeah. Yoko and the Beatles. Yeah. So Jimmy Chitwood from Hoosers. Kelly Leak from the Bad News Bears. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, Adam Banks uh, from the Mighty Ducks, okay. who is the kid who is supposed to be on their team. And uh, because the evil coach had cheated got him on his team instead and i just love this cliche because it's one of those like this never happens in real sports it's never like the yankees like sign in the middle of the season suddenly sign you know barry bonds or something like that like he hadn't been playing all year it's like that never happens yeah like growing up like with the bad news bears thing everyone knew who the best athletes were Mm -hmm. and they were on the team yeah so it's some reason this one kind of pops up over and over mm-hmm. again. The Jimmy Chitwood one kind of always cracks me up because it's 
it in such an over the top movie, it's just got one thing that's just even more over the top than anything else. Can you remember why he didn't play again? I can't. Uh, it was something personal, right? Like a personal. I think he was attached. Tragedy. Or I think he was attached to the other coach, and somehow like they had to like convince him that Coach Dale was. Yeah, was okay for him. Yeah, I think yeah, he said coach goes, I go, or something. At one yeah, point exactly. When they're winning, yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing, Hoosiers is just an amazing film. The soundtrack does not serve it well. Uh, I think the arrangement, uh, the music is great. The keyboard, the Casio two hundred keyboard that it was recorded <laughs> right. on, just hasn't <laughs> stood the test of time. Is that a is that a uh, Randy Newman score or not? Oh, I don't know about that. I believe it's a Jerry Goldsmith. Oh, okay. all right. Special. I didn't know if it was one of the yeah. if they if he just took his Casio keyboard from the natural. Yeah. And just said, oh, another <laughs> yeah. sports movie. Well, I, I can yeah. I can handle this. The '80s were something, weren't they? I mean, that's something about like Vangelis and um, Cherry Sapphire. <laughs> oh yeah. Where like the music is connected ish. It feels grand, but it is so different, and it doesn't quite feel right. But it somehow mm-hmm. makes it okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just the I, '80s. Like they were just so full of. I can see those synthesizer two. Synthesizer was so Axel heavy. F. Yeah. Those two being period pieces, if I were the producers who are always trying to young up a film, I can imagine them supporting that idea. Well, it's it's set in the 30s or it's set in the 20s or the 40s, but let's put a synth <laughs> score to it. To really hip it up? Yeah. Uh, would you say Hoosiers also has another cliche? Of oh, it's, it's chock-a-block chock yeah, yeah. full of cliches. There's a couple of redemption storylines in there. Oh yeah, there's definitely one which is which I had on my original list we took off was the uh, coach with the troubled background. Yeah. That tends to pop up a lot. Yeah. Whether it's uh, coach Dale slugging one of his uh-huh. former players or uh, uh, Tom Hanks in a league of their own. Yes. Kind of the coach that comes in as the drunk and washed up and Gordon ne- needs his redemptive qual- yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, action. Gordon Bombay in the Mighty Ducks doing mm-hmm. it as mm-hmm. community service. So or Bad News Bears where he doesn't seek redemption. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> That's one th- oh well Dennis Hopper plays the father of I forget which athlete in that one. Right. He's sort of the drunk. Yeah, who finds inspiration from I think one of the centerpieces of of athletics and is a storyline is how much inspiration they give to the community around them and he, I think, decides to clean up, <laughs> clean up his act. Well, he's eventually in the sanitarium, yeah. listening to the championship game. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a turn for the better for him. Okay, so Wait, I want to say one thing about yeah, the yeah, Vangelis, yeah. though. If you get a chance, go to YouTube right now and find an old 1981 video of Vangelis performing the Chariots of Fire theme because he's smoking the whole time <laughs> he's playing that keyboard <laughs> while visions of the runners on the beach are playing above him. Oh, it's just great. the greatest smoking you'll ever see in your life. Looks up Van Gelis. Is he Greek? Yeah, <laughs> it checks out. It checks out, guys. He's the, smoking. The other greatest Van Gelis moment is in the 2012 yeah, the Olympics. <laughs> uh, uh, Summer Olympics opening oh, yeah. uh, ceremony where um, Rowan Atkinson as Mr. Bean is just playing the one note over and over on the keyboard yeah. as they slowly pan to him. He's just, just trying to He's reading Take the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> and the Queen and James Bond skydive, right? Yeah. Out of the, yeah. That's oh, and I have one last thing about what you said. To your point, in actual sports, the, the, the trade deadline just passed for Major League Baseball right now, and no one ever gets that. They make a big deal about the trade deadline, but no one ever gets the guy who puts them over the top, except occasionally, like Verlander, I think, helped the Astros win. Yeah. Yeah. But most of the time, it's just a bunch of money spent. And a lot of it is like the best players join the best teams. Yeah. Like the great teams that are like willing to uh, get rid of their 
you know, AAA players, they're up and coming players so they can win now, they'll be like, sure, I'm not thinking three years down the line, we have a right. chance to win now. And uh, that's usually what happens. It's not like the team, you know, the Marlins a- aren't trading for like, uh, <laughs> you know, Clay- Cody Bellinger or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're 40 games back, but we got a chance, guys. If we just get this one guy. Space Jam, aside from having the cliche of being forced to play against aliens, mm, which right. you see pop up in sports films, has, has kind of a subversion of that player who comes in to save the day. Doesn't Bill Murray come in later and say, can I help or something? And yeah. He's like, yeah, Bill, you're going to help us out a Okay, uh, so what is your second choice, Paul Preston? Number two for me is the bad guy who goes one step too far. Oh. Mm. And we always have bad guys like, uh, if you look at Creed, Ricky Conlin is the bad guy, but he's just the best. So Creed yeah. has to beat him. He doesn't go too far. He's just the best. And that alone is something to you know that seems insurmountable. Or David Sims, uh, who's Don Johnson's character in Tin Cup. He's just a jerk, and they have this longtime rivalry. Yeah. He doesn't go too far. Uh, so are you indicting the cliché, or are you saying... Oh, I, I'm saying the cliche has been used a lot, and yeah. uh, I like it because okay. when Johnny Lawrence gives, you know, Ralph Macchio that extra little kick to sweep the leg and knock yeah. him out, he's gone one step too far. He crosses a moral kind of boundary or yeah. something, something that's emotional versus uh, just. And when I compile this, I realize it happens in boxing movies more than anything else. Like oh. He mentioned it kind of at the top, like uh, Clubber Lang gives Mickey a heart attack. <laughs> You know, that's yeah. too oh, far. A little rough. He also, uh, Paulo he also Crete is, never did that. But he also is, like, overly suggestive with... Um, <laughs> with with uh, Adrian. Adrian, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the guy that goes too far has been... There's always going to be a bad guy. There has to be. There has to be something to beat. Even if they're good bad guys, like I said, that's the best team in the county, and the so-and-so underdogs have to go up against them. They may not be awful, but... I like it when the guy goes too far. Because now, even in the Cobra Kai television show, which is the best show on television right now, uh, you still are seeing the Crease and Johnny Lawrence dichotomy playing out in that uh-huh. TV show for two seasons now because John Crease, who ran Cobra Kai, is back on that show. And we're still trying to figure out who really is the worst guy here. Because they tried to redeem Johnny at the end of Karate Kid, making it in the beginning of Karate Kid Part 2, making it look like this is all Crease's plan to sweep the leg. And Johnny was objecting to it, even though he went along with it. So he's bad, but is he? Uh, so, I think between the two of them, they just went too far, and I, I like when they go too far. Billy the Blue Bear, who was the the boxer that gave that sucker punch to Hillary Swank and oh yeah, baby, yeah. and knocked her out of boxing and out of life. Yeah. So, I mean, she just went one step too far. Yeah. He didn't hear much more from her after that. Her family was actually more awful than she was for the rest of that movie. But uh, and then I wanted to give a shout out to Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, he's just a, a jerk. And, and the whole thing with Happy's uh, grandma's house he buys, right? So mm-hmm. to try, yeah, and, and plays that angle of trying to get in his head uh, is one step too far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're always like, um, I don't know why I thought of this guy as like the major villain, but I guess he kind of was. In Rookie of the Year, there's like the John Cruck looking dude. Who's like Ogre from uh, Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, whatever his name from is. Uh, uh, from the Revenge of the Nerds, and he's standing at the plate, and he just wants to tee off. Like he just wants to beat up this twelve-year-old boy. Like if he if he had his druthers, he would just like hit a liner back, charge the, the mound, oh. and just destroy this twelve-year-old boy who's kind of like showing up the league. Mm-hmm. But he's just this great like all you can tell. All he wants to do is humiliate this boy. That all this kid is trying to do is just get through. He doesn't know. 
how he got these powers, these, you know, he broke his arm and that's ridiculous. But like, <laughs> um, <coughs> it's just so funny. Like those villains that you can tell, like, yes, he would fight a 12 year old. But if he did too, that would probably be one step too far. If he threw a bat at the kid. That's true. That's true. He never, <laughs> so, maybe he did. They don't, they didn't, a Disney film didn't quite allow him major to. major league restraint. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Uh, Winfield. Um, so our next choice is the depressed locker room. Oh, wow. Which appears in almost every film when it's either halftime or someone has gotten injured or, I don't know, guys, we just can't make it. What are we going it, to... It's always... There's always a scene. It's like the middle of the season and they've just lost like five games in a row or something. Yeah. Yeah. That requires something to get them out of that funk, but there's always a scene when like... Sometimes it's just like heartbreaking. In like a league of their own, it's just like the scene when... Betty Spaghetti finds out that, like, oh, her husband's dead. And, oh, like, wow. that locker room's not going to cheer up no matter what. <laughs> right. That's a little extreme, but there are just in every sports movie that is, like, team-based. I guess maybe even in boxing movies, too, when, like, someone is... The corner. Cor- or, yeah. or maybe, in, like, even in Karate Kid. You know, he's, his leg is injured. He's in the locker room. He needs Mr. Miyagi to do his super healing touch on him. But, like, it's just this downer of the scene and they always comes in you know not quite three quarters into the movie but like four fifths into the movie just enough time to for things to slow down so it can revamp we can reamp for like the final climactic scene but it's always just like it's too tough we can't make it sweats pouring down everybody's faces they're all beat up and it's amazing how often it happens whether it's semi-pro or league of their own or space jam or the natural or mighty ducks or hoosiers or Major League, there's always just this moment. It happens a lot in baseball, too, in baseball movies, where they're just like, we just can't go on. We're not, we can't, it's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. That's kind of that dark night of the soul that a lot of, uh, if you were to take a Sid Field or a uh, McKee, Robert McKee <laughs> class, there's that moment where all the things that the protagonists have tried have lost, and they have to kind of tap into that thing that they learned from the B story. Yeah, it's that, it's that hero's. It's like part of the hero's journey. Yeah. It's like in Star Wars when Obi Wan dies yeah. and Luke is back on the Millennium Falcon and he's depressed and yeah. Leia's comforting him and like he's like I can't believe he's gone and it's just like yeah. uh, we got to go fight some Tie Fighters now. He's like okay, yeah, and yeah. blows him up. But like that's a locker room scene. He's back there and he's mm-hmm. he's in the Millennium Falcon storage compartment just brooding. <laughs> yeah, and you just need those moments whether it is in a sports movie and I think it. Because it's a locker room, because it's a place where people collect themselves together, they can collect themselves mm-hmm. and move on. That is like this template that kind of pushes through that you see it oh, that's so fun. often. That's a fun observation because it's, uh, it, well, you know, we, we're, we're lucky enough to have a lot of people out on Facebook uh, mention some sports cliches. That wasn't one that was uh, mentioned by the folks out there, but... Uh, we were lucky enough to have a lot of people comment on the different sports cliches, and this is going to be a moment where I pause. Let me fill that moment for a second okay, and okay. say my wife loves that. My wife and I both love the moment where Mr. Miyagi has to fix Daniel's leg mm-hmm. <coughs> because it's almost, I, I have, we often wonder when we watch that scene if it's a placebo. If it's really just fixing this, it doesn't mean anything. You just got to get up and win. you know. Like, uh, uh, But it's that whole clap of the hands. Like, cause he's sitting on the table going, oh, Mr. Miyagi, my shoulder's hurt. I'm done. I can't win. Have you seen them? The whole team's against me. Everyone's out of the... Like, and now in our lives, like when we see ourselves going into like a, a pit of despair, like the locker room despair, 
uh, that's what brings us out of it. We go, wait a second, you know, oh, my car's not starting. Great, I'm going to be late for work. And then what? I got this meeting at 10 yeah. o'clock and I didn't drive. I got to go home and I got an errand to do. And you know, it's sort of a weird little thing we've adopted in our lives. My wife now has a picture of Mr. Miyagi in the back oh, of her sweet. phone. So every yeah. once in a while, you remind yourself, hey, clap, end it, let's move on. We've got things to do. That's a good one. So I should say that Anderson Dadu suggested bringing in the expert unsigned amazing talent that surprisingly isn't currently on a team. Okay, that's so that's kind of linking up to the first one there. And um, Tim Granlund, when the team wins every game in dramatic last-minute fashion, but then commented, "Oh wait, UVA just did that in basketball." So some of these cliches are a little bit inspired by life. uh, so in some folks, uh, Fowler Jones was one of them who brought up cliched news, uh, sorry, nu- cliched sports broadcaster uh, expressions, such as um, they all look like line drives in the box score, or when these two teams get together, you can throw the record book out the window. Mm. So some of these things are these two don't like each other. Yeah, yeah. Part of the storytelling that we get in televised sports uh, that's not even fictionalized. Um, so that was that was kind of fun. Um, so, gentlemen, halftime, halftime, Whoa, and we before gotta, we, we got to collect ourselves, before we go to our halftime, Ooh. I want to Richard, let Jeff, you know. I'm really not feeling good about this. That, nah. I think we got to pull ourselves. Guys, hit the out. hit the locker room. Um, I'm gonna throw a bunch of bats into this shower. <laughs> you lollygag around the infield. <laughs> you lollygag around the outfield. You know what that makes you? Lolly I'm not gag. really sure. A bunch of lollygags. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite. That's Trey, the late great Trey Wilson. Yeah. So um, want to let you know that the Mount Rushmore of uh, music duos, duo bands, Mount Rushmore duo bands. Is that our next week's yeah. episode? The Mount yeah. Rushmore of duo bands. We would like you to join us for that episode next week. Uh, but I also want to invite you to join another podcast entirely, and that is the one that is created by our special guest, Paul Preston. Paul, would you tell us about your podcast? Sure, head on over to Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and look up the Believe in Sports Movies show. It's also out there on iTunes. Every week we talk about sports movies, and this is the week I've asked uh, my friends here to take on a sports topic. So uh, you'll hear this show there and uh, many others where every week something new with sports movies because we will never stop making this show. There's just too many <laughs> sports. Yeah. I, I already mentioned 206 just on football. <laughs> These movies, this uh, show will go on until the end of time, so please join us over there if you can. And if you don't mind, I would like to, Paul, invite your uh, listeners to come over to the sports episodes of the Mount Rushmore podcast. We have a few of them, I think. Don't we? Yeah, we had the uh, best things about baseball other than the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else did we have? Uh, do you count wrestling as a sport? Of course. Well, then we had the uh, Mount Rushmore bad guy tactics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you like uh, the, um, just fun conversation about goofy topics, uh, we would love for you to give a listen to our uh, podcast, the Mount Rushmore podcast. So oh, the Mount Rushmore of sports of uh, famous sports fans. Oh, right on. Yeah, with uh, Spike Lee, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, cool. Mount Rushmore of jock jams, would that count? I think That's so. That's music related to yeah. Yeah. Los Yawks. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's that? Did you do fake teams? Oh, did yes. we do fake teams? Yeah. yeah. We did fictional teams. Fictional sports, fictional teams. sports teams. Yeah. So we've got a few sports uh, topics, but we want to thank Paul Preston for being here. And one one of the ways that we first uh, got hooked up with Mr. Preston was as a commentator on our uh, crowdsourcing of topic answers. So Paul uh, got in the dialogue with us out on social media on Facebook and so many others have, and some of those folks have ended up being guests on the podcast, which is a lot of fun. 
So we invite you to go out to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other social media handles and let us know what your thoughts are on a given topic. And maybe you could even suggest a future topic. We'd also like you to go back and download, rate, and review past episodes of the podcast all out on iTunes. It's out on Stitcher. It's out on iHeartRadio. Spotify. On Spotify. It's out on MySpace. I think it's uh, Lycos. LiveJournal. LiveJournal. Yep. CompuServe. GeoCities, AngelFire, all the big ones. GopherNet. GopherNet. Yeah. 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 Kermit. Was that one? Yeah, that was one, the too. The 2400 baud uh, Juno. BBS. Juno. Juno. <laughs> 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 uh, all those things. Um, I wish we were joking. We're not. That's where we go. So, yes. And so now, uh, back to um, the seventh inning um, stand-up. Is, that, is this what this? Are we going to make a, a foot, to foot down in the touch space? What is Yeah. A sports? Stand-up. Sports. Okay. So, uh, Paul Preston, give us your third choice. The third choice is one that they stole right from actual sports. If you've ever seen Nomar Garcia-Para bat or Sergio Garcia take a swing of the golf club, it would be superstition. Okay. Superstition in sports movies is uh, pretty popular. And I'll just bring up two points because baseball is where it happens the most in real life. So two big moments of that in movies are Major League, where Serrano uses voodoo to ask Joe Boot to come and help him hit, and he tries to coaxed Joe Boo, this voodoo god, to help him out with rum and other crazy things. Um, but Bull Durham, it plays out the best, and that's one of my favorite sports movies of all time. There's, there's one character, Jose, who blesses his bat, but he won't bless anyone else's because they just want a piece of his mojo, and he says, that's not faith, that's desperation. But the best use of superstition is uh, Tim Robbins' character, Nuke Lelouch, who's on a winning streak, and he believes because he's not having sex with Annie, played by Susan Sarandon. So he has to continue to not have sex with her, which uh-huh. frustrates her and uh, keeps him on his streak. And that's a major plot point of the entire movie mm-hmm. uh, as superstition plays yeah. a part. Just, I mean, he was being pretty authentic, I think, with a minor league baseball team, and superstitions are a big deal. In, just don't watch, seriously, do not watch Sergio Garcia play golf. <laughs> the, the, the whole step up to and, the, and the, oh, the, everything he does before he hits the ball is like, uh, it just looks like an OCD crazy. Well, I was race. just going to say, with Nomar, that's, that's not superstition, that's OCD. Yeah, that's what that is. All the, gloves. the gloves and the hat, get the helmet on and off, step in, step out. Yeah, that's OCD. That's not a superstition at that point. That's, you need to be on some sort of medication for yeah, that. If he doesn't do <laughs> that, Adderall he, or something. I th- think he'll, he'll, he'll will or will not hit. I, I think superstition is so so prevalent in baseball because the season is so long. It is a nine-month season, plus there's like two months of uh, spring training, and there's basically no baseball for maybe, maybe three months of the year. And the rest of it feels just so long, and I think that's why you see guys grow their hair out to the point where it just looks ridiculous because they got to do something. And or there, the beard. There's, there's something is, oh, I'm doing beard play. Or my hair is going to be ridiculous because it's like this is eight months of my life that I'm trying to figure. I'm just trying to, you know, most a lot of baseball is just waiting around and watching other guys play, and you're you're eating uh, sunflower seeds and joking around and talking about baseball. And so, like at some point, it's like, oh, I did this one thing that got me an extra base hit in each of these games. I have to keep doing that because sometimes that's the difference between being up in the majors and moving back down to the minors is like, oh, if, I, if I'm if i batting 250 instead of 
275 270 that's a huge that's affects your pay that affects everything so mm-hmm. like i think that just it's just the season is so long and it's just in their head and in their head is just like i gotta do whatever i can another sport that has a lot of uh superstitions auto racing oh um which you know like no green cars no peanuts in the pits um and i think those superstitions come from the fact that if something goes wrong you die <laughs> which is actually worse than getting sent down to the miners i why, believe why the no green cars it's just, I don't know why exactly, but it's been this long-running superstition. Same thing with peanuts. You're not supposed to. Yeah, if you eat, if someone is, if you're in the pits and you're eating peanuts, you will be shooed away and, and, and possibly get the crap beat out, beaten out of you. We started to watch Cars for the first time today with my two-year-old son, uh, who declared before he even started watching it, I don't like this movie. Oh, good. That's a good start. <laughs> he just is like, I don't want it. I don't like this. And we're like, okay, well, let's just try it out because it wasn't The Jungle Book. And it was just like, I don't like this. I don't want this. And we sat down. We were watching it. And the first race for the Preston, Piston, Piston cup. cup goes around. And the car that, quote, always finishes second place, a green car. I think they did that on purpose. I, I bet it was. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, Lightning McQueen is this bright red hot rod car. And then the other car that's always winning is this blue car. I, I can't remember the names of the other ones. But it was just so strange that you mentioned green. And then the guy that happens to never quite win. And they literally say... Always comes in second, which if that's not a setup for the end of the movie, I, you know, that's, that's right. just writing 101. It's just like, oh, he's, in, he's green now, and that makes a lot of sense. There you go. Yeah, John Lasseter was crazy, and probably still is wherever he is now, crazy into uh, NASCAR and racing. Mm. So, yeah, I'm sure that was on purpose. Mm. Yeah. All right, uh, gentlemen, what's your third? Richard, maybe you'll speak for your team. All right, guys. So gather around. Mm. I know it's been a tough game. It's been a tough podcast episode so far. I know you're all a little down right now. I'm just naked, but I have a jock strap on. Is this awkward for you? I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Okay. Don't, don't do that on the field. Huh? Okay, yeah, coach. But I got a five-minute speech here that's planned. Okay. Every movie, or not every movie, but most sports movies at some point, this piggybacks on Michael's Everyone's Down in the Locker Room. Yeah. What gets the team back up? It's the uh, big speech. Yeah. Um, and again, Hoosiers is another example of this. Uh, Norm Dale gives a couple of those. My favorite one is not actually the one right before the championship game. It's what he does when they first get to the championship uh, venue. And they're doing all like a walkthrough of the, the court. And he has them measure how tall the uh, basket is. Mm-hmm. And they come back and say, well, it's 10 feet. He goes, well, that's the same as where we play, right? Oh, yeah, coach. All right. And that's basically it. The whole point being doesn't matter if you're playing in a 10,000-seat arena or our little crummy 500-seat yeah. stadium. It's still a basketball hoop. Yeah. But then he has the bigger one where he's like, I love you guys and all that. Uh, there's Miracle, which mm-hmm. is actually based on the real speech that uh, was given before the, uh, the Finland game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, of course, any given Sunday. Uh, the game football is a, a game of inches. That yeah. speech. Um, and I mentioned this one specifically because... As, as you guys listen, if you guys have listened to the show before, you know, Michael and Jeff and I know each other through adult kickball. And I used to try to give some version of like a big, like heartfelt, I really love you guys and it doesn't matter, da, 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 never worked. No, of course not. It never works. And then people were checking their phones, <laughs> doing their nails, anything but listening to my like heartfelt, I love you guys speech. Never works. My friend Scott Hatch from uh, CrossFit mentioned the inspirational coach's speech. And I was surprised uh, at how 
many versions of that. One person did mention win one for the Gipper. Now, as I recall, that wasn't – was that a coach's speech? And that was in everybody's All-American or everybody – Newt yeah. Rockney All-American? Newt Rockney All-American. I yeah. think it's Newt Rockney that gives the speech, isn't it? Is it? I okay. don't know. I, haven't, the, I actually haven't seen the it. The Gipper so. is an ailing um, – Is an alien? An alien? What? <laughs> that sounds like an alien. The prequel, the space prequel to Space Jam. <laughs> the Gipper is another athlete who's in the hospital or, or dead. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think he's sick. Okay. <laughs> You're thinking of Brian Piccolo. Hey, that's right. Yeah, Brian's song. Okay. Now I'm going to start crying. Thanks. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. I so love uh, 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 Billy Bob Thornton's speech in Friday Night Lights. Oh, that's can you be perfect? Yeah. 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 My heart is full. Yeah. That was so good. It kind of inspired a whole... Show, I mean that yeah. that authenticity that that he brings to that. So, um, so Preston, what do you got? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 A slow clap, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I had to find the origins of it because I would we'll probably all ha- remember the first time we saw a slow clap in a movie. For me, it was Rudy, but. Happened before Rudy, which I found out uh, through revisiting some of these sports movies uh, just now. R- in fact, Rudy was released October thirteenth, nineteen ninety-three. Two weeks earlier, in Cool Runnings, they have the slow clap ah. that sort of ends the the Jamaicans' run for the bobsled uh, mm-hmm. title. And then going back once again to Hoosiers, that they have a slow clap in the locker room yep. there after the the coach's big speech. But turns out that same year. At the end of Lucas, eight months before Hoosiers came out, there was another slow clap uh, when Lucas basically – here's how it always plays out. There's no score usually. Whether did it's you a, use ClapTracker.com to get all this? Scans YouTube for claps. Uh, here's how it plays out. There's no score. There's no nothing, right? There's either been some conversation or, in Lucas's case, he just comes to high school and everyone knows the struggle he's been through and the hero's down and out and, and the slow clap begins. And as it begins, there's the yeah, there's, there's, like you chimed in with, some dialogue happens, the score kicks in, and by the end it's full applause with crazy uh, music and then the movie's over pretty much most of the time. Yeah. Or at least they go on to do the part of the movie that will end it, the big game or what have you. I would love to see the reverse slow clap. <laughs> <laughs> the reverse <laughs> so clap in a moment. Huge applause yeah. and then... And then uh, <laughs> disinterest. <laughs> 2001 is when they did it in Not Another Teen Movie, if you remember that. Well, not, not a sports movie, but this was a spoof um, of teen movies where they did a slow clap, and that kind of ended it. Once you satirize it, yeah. it's mm. kind of over. Um, but they, they, I, Jersey Girl, Kevin Smith's movie, that movie ends with... Ben Affleck's kid doing a production of Sweeney Todd at her school, like her elementary school. And it's very bizarre. It leaves the whole auditorium silent until a slow clap yeah. begins to bring it in. But, but you know, Kevin Smith is using that ironically as well. But I remember the first... I mean, there's even one in Harry Potter when you mentioned Harry Dumbledore begins a slow clap in the Great Hall for something Harry Potter did. I can't oh, remember no, it's for freaking Hagrid. Hagrid oh, his com- return. Like, like yes. Hagrid comes back, and like the best thing about that scene is like three of the kids are like friends with Hagrid, and the other one thinks like, "Oh God, it's that it's unkempt half giant <laughs> thing doofus, that, yeah, that is an idiot," and like keeps almost getting us killed <laughs> in class. <laughs> yeah. That guy. Yeah. No one cares about Hagrid except for like Harry and uh, Ron, Ron and Hermione. Hermione, and then the other ones are like, "Why the fuck are we <laughs> clapping for this guy?" Because Dumbledore's clapping. Yeah. Everyone start clapping. Yeah. <laughs> 
but I remember my favorite one is actually not from a sports movie. You go back to 1978's Foul Play. Oh. Chevy Chase and Goldie Hawn. I don't know if you remember the whole finale takes place up in the rafters uh, above a theater during a big opera production. Mm-hmm. And the film movie, the, the chase ends with a big piece of set uh, scenery coming down and dangling off it are all the dead bodies from the, the, uh. the chase. And everyone stops for a second. The whole place goes, oh my God. And then the Pope was watching this and he starts going, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he didn't understand yeah. anything. Um, and everyone starts applauding as well. That's a that's a great underrated film if you've never seen it. But um, in sports, yeah, I thought it started with Rudy. I think it goes back to Lucas, which is essentially a sports movie because uh, the football team has a lot to do with it. Uh, but again, now it might be done after they spoofed Could it. Be. Not another team movie. We may not see it again. But there's four great examples of it being used over and over again in uh, in different sports films. Cool. Uh, Men, Freddie Winfield. Women in sports. What? Wait, what? Spit take. They're going to let women play sports now? I can't believe it. <laughs> what? The idea. I mean, a league of their own was two hours of just men guffawing at women. Yeah. The idea that they could possibly play sports. Until they got a slow clap at the end. <laughs> Until there's a Basically. Slow clap. Uh, the movie Wildcats with Goldie Hawn. Love Gold, that movie, by the Goldie way. Goldie Hawn as the coach of a men's high school football team she's only there so she could look at their jocks that's that's impossible kathy ireland is the kicker on a football (laughs) team in necessary roughness like the audacity that women are put under (laughs) yeah they're they're just it's just like that is impossible it is impossible for women to uh do anything remotely uh athletic bend it like bend it like beckham is basically that Mm -hmm. that, the entire movie of that I hate to take it outside of um, film into TV, but uh, I did like how in Futurama, when Leela uh, goes to play Blurns Ball, <laughs> and she's like the first Blurns Ball player ever, and it's, you know, the year 3000, right. and they're just like, well, she sucks because she's a woman, <laughs> and, and she was also terrible because she is, uh, uh, you know, mon- monocular vision. Yeah, and, Cyclops, uh, yeah. You can't actually throw the ball very well, but um, just, I-, I love when... <laughs> It is such as this ridiculous cliche when like a woman comes in and is just like, oh, and people are always like blown away by it. And it's just like, yeah, it's the most. But she has to have the one scene where she proves herself. Of course. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, Kathy Ireland. Kicking the guy in the nuts. That's right. Exactly. That's what I was thinking well, that's of. Sh- that is just like a, I can stand with the guys. I'm she one. Actually, it's an, I'm she, one of the guys. Wait, yeah, what she, film she, was this? It's called Necessary Roughness. Oh, okay. okay. With a play, Scott Bakula. <laughs> okay. She plays like a high school or college. I think it's a college. College. It's like, yeah. It's, I don't know. They're on like the Longhorns. That. So, Would you like me to, to tell you the whole plot of the movie? Because it's like <laughs> it's kind of a favorite of mine. Wait. So did I miss the actual? Uh, oh, women po- playing sports. Women playing sports. Okay. Just, yeah. And the and the reaction that is like, all the men and the people of the town or the yeah. people of the city are just like. They, it has, yeah. it has ruined one. It has ruined their lives. It has ruined something sacred to them, which yeah. is this men's only club. And then, like Richard said, they always prove themselves to be superior to the men anyway, yeah. which is just usually by injuring usually one of the <laughs> one of the other guys on the team or another team. Mm-hmm. It just rings. It just would, rings so true. Would you say that there seems to be another category of well, there's nothing in the rule book that says you can't have a dog on the field. <laughs> you know, the person who looks through the rule book. Well, there's a mule can kick, I a guess. I don't know. <laughs> but there's always there should be a scene always afterwards. 
but common sense says we're not going to fucking do this. And then the movie's over. <laughs> there's, there's another um, thing I'd like to highlight in the movie, She's the Man, where um, uh, Amanda Burns, Byrnes? Bynes, Bynes, thank you. Um, she plays uh, the twin. Uh, she's a soccer player, and she plays the twin of uh, her, this her brother, Sebastian, who goes to some school, and then she dresses up like the man. It's kind of a... a, a you know, gender swap things. She dresses up like him. And then near the end of the movie, of course she reveals herself. She's in love with also some other player on the team. And then she's allowed to, just like you said, there's no rule. There's no rule, but she's allowed to stay. And of course she makes the game winning yeah. goal at the end and like a penalty kick or whatever, but it's just like, and then there's the scene where she rips her top open to show, Oh wait, that's just one of the guys. Just one of the guys. Sorry, <laughs> my bad. But like, I, I, I just, I, I find it very <laughs> interesting that it, it you know women will forever be looked upon as lesser than lesser than until they prove themselves and it's up to them to prove they can't just be equal it is yeah they have to prove themselves at some point and it's just like uh, can we get past past this um but i'm glad i could ruin our podcast by bringing it up so uh <laughs> i wanted to go to our facebook community and thank the all the folks who made really Great, and what I kind of surprised that we didn't hear uh, the, some of these suggestions. I think this would be kind of a filmmaking cliche, but the montage was brought up. The idea that um, some doofus can get serious. Brent Dyer, thank you, Brent, said an athlete with bad or mediocre skills decides to get serious, does a training montage covering it at most a couple weeks, and becomes a superstar. And that was um, that's kind of a for sure a cliche that we see in film and especially sports films. And I, th I think uh, uh, Richard and I stayed away from that one just because we did that as one of our topics, just training montages oh, yeah. Yeah. a few years ago. And it was just like, we could just talk about the same things over and oh, over. Oh yeah. So, okay. Believe fans, there's training montages. They're not all for sports. <laughs> I don't know if they're for knitting. I don't think we did anything like that. Uh, the music is also so integral to this. Oh yeah. You know, you're the best around. Yeah. <laughs> or burning heart. Is that the one? Or, Hearts on fire. Hearts on fire. Uh, and um, there is no easy way out, right? That's Rocky Four yeah. as well. Um, you're the best is one of my favorites. And, we, and, this, we're, and you know, the topic was songs from uh, training montage. Oh, that was it. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, lots um, to talk about there. That, um, that was a song that was written for Rocky Two, And then they didn't end up using it. And so they just shuffled it over to the Karate Kid. Because they talk about being a champion in the song, and uh, Danny LaRusso is not a champion at that point during his training month. But yeah, here's uh, we're one, off topic. One that my quite a bit good buddy and huge sports fan and talented baseball player uh, David Snell brought up. My favorite is their misunderstanding of the clock in games. So often they act as if the game-winning basket or touchdown needs to occur before the clock hits zero. When in reality, a ball just needs to leave the shooter's hand before the final buzzer in basketball, and ball needs to snap before the final whistle in football. Is that something you find common? In I, I know what he means. Like in a basketball shot, they show the shot go in, and then the clock goes one, zero. Yeah. Versus the, the other team's like, fuck it, time out. Yeah. We can get a shot, shot off still. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I understand where he's coming from on that. Yeah. Um, a There's also the idea that time stretches so long yeah. in a sports movie too. We have 10 seconds left and you'll get 15 minutes of movie out of that. Right. Um, With no timeouts. Matt Bridgewater brought up, in fact, he even name-checked the win one for the Gipper that Joe Mullick suggested and that was Newt Rockne, All-American. He brought inspirational speeches in general. Rudy Hoosiers on any given Sunday built Field of Dreams. Um, 
And the, the final play aspect is interesting on a sports movie because that does happen a lot where we have the one play that we can run and this is, this is what's going to... Oh, we saved w- it. Yeah, we've saved it for the last for the last whatever the triple deke in mm-hmm. uh in, in mighty ducks for example yeah or um uh in semi-pro i think i mentioned semi-pro <laughs> earlier but like they decided to stop running the alley-oop because they can't do the alley-oop anymore and they have to rely on whatever ridiculous play that they practiced yeah. all season <laughs> or the, for hit- the one for the one time to hit it yeah or the I- hidden ball trick in mash yeah. in the football scene yeah. i will say semi-pro is one of my favorite film sports films and Will Ferrell has had his own genre of sports films, it, it seems, but that was pretty at least freaking three. amazing. And I love that he is in in a sports film. He is usually the main character, but usually the antagonist. <laughs> he's he's the reason everything is effed up. <laughs> yeah, and it takes the uh, you know some somebody else who who comes in and kind of points out that he's screwed screwed up. I'd like to point out just real quick that the whole time you've been talking about semi pro. I've been thinking you've been talking about semi-tough. Semi-tough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, thanks for... Mac yeah. Davis in it? I like, yes. that this, I like that this last part of the podcast is that the last 15 seconds of, and the timeouts keep happening. It just keeps going on yeah. and on. <laughs> and you're like, how, why won't the game end? How do they keep calling timeouts and fouling? And, oh, yeah. my God, he's still at the line and he can't make the basket. All right. We want to thank uh, Paul Preston. Paul, plug your podcast again, please. Uh, go to themovieguys.net to see all of our nonsense. Go to believe.com or iTunes to find the Believe in Sports Movies podcast specifically, which we host as well. Okay, cool. Uh, and want to invite you to come back next week for our Mount Rushmore of musical duos. And now uh, this is the point of the podcast where I usually very uh, with a lot of consternation, I uh, try to deliberate who the winner is. But it's going to be Paul because we're just glad. Hey. That he's our guest, and he came up with such... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Underdog. Bad guy. Yeah! yeah. Superstition. Slow cup. Paul Preston is the winner! What spunk that kid has. Uh, made some great choices, and we're really glad he was here. So uh, thanks so much for listening to the Mount Rushmore of movie sports cliches. My name, as always, is Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Paul Preston. Peace out! We did it. We did it.